Hi and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Live Now. United fans scream lack of identity and cohesion once again as Manchester United are held to a one-all draw against Everton. Meanwhile, Liverpool and Manchester City serve up a mesmerising attacking display in their four-goal thriller at Anfield. Identity, philosophy, what do they even mean? Two things that we talk about in this week's Talk of the Town. And of course, we review the matches from the weekend and look into our fantasy radar to see who impressed. All this and more on the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Life Now. What's up everyone? I'm Raushan. And I'm Deepan. Raushan, not much to shout home about once again Same for story us as last week, only. United <laughs> fans. And I know we'll get into matches a little later on in the show, but I, I wanted to say this at the start of the show that, you know, it is only game week seven in the Premier League. I would say to people all around the world and especially United fans and Premier League fans. All around nature, the world, our fans all around yeah, the world, of, of course. Of course. Calm your tits is what I want to say. <laughs> because you are, we are into game week seven and then there are people saying, uh, oh, Ole is not good enough, United is not good enough, uh, Chelsea is going to be champions. Ask the Watford board, bro. They sacked the manager before <laughs> things even got hot, bro. Yeah, okay, that, that's of course one, one factor. Uh, but speaking of, we've barely started. You told me you wanted to quit FPL during this weekend because you had another bad game week. But bro, it's only game week seven. Another bad game week. Slid it in there. <laughs> it's just getting from bad to worse for me because a couple of weeks ago, I confident once the clock's close, I posted my lineup locked in on uh, the league. And Matthew Mohan, Singapore's number one a couple of weeks ago, commented, really looking, looking good, this lineup. Oh, you know, you've done well. So I was so feeling. Like, I thought, oh, okay. Like, that's, okay how like. we, that's how you got to number one. <laughs> like, yeah. By throwing shade on other people, is it? Anyway, he was like, good team. And I was like, okay, coming from him, not bad. And I even commented as such. And then... That was the week uh, Ronaldo blanked. So this week, I thought enough with Ronaldo. And my wife has been banging on. She's a Liverpool fan. She's been telling me to captain Salah. But I was like, no lah, cannot. You know, Lukaku this week, Southampton, tasty fixture. What happens? Yeah, we all know what happened. But having said that, I feel better now that you say, you know, only game week seven. Of course, of course. Yeah. But last week, Nitin said, try and match the average and then peak. I, I'll be honest here. This week, I matched the average. I even surpassed it a little. But still, I'm lagging behind, man. And yeah, we'll see how it uh, pans out. Yeah, and of course, for me, I think the trouble has been not having Mo Salah in my team. I know it's an idiotic... First world problems, bro. Yeah, it's a, it's a stupid decision, I would admit. Uh, I, I simply thought... How can the king not have the king? I, I simply thought having Trent in my team, you know, and having Jota is enough of Liverpool assets. But clearly... I was so wrong about it. But next week, the next game week, of course, I'll be bringing Salah back in. Uh, anyway, before we get into the talk of the town, you know, Nitin was a really good guest to have last week. Thanks, bro. Uh, it was nice to add a third person into the conversation. So I called up a man uh, whose insights I personally like. You know, every time at ST, any story that has anything to do with finance or needing some thorough you reviews. You need money, you him, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that one in heaven. <laughs> uh. But I'll call this guy because uh, he's someone with lots of insights. He's a Spurs fan as well. Uh, who, of course, didn't need nudging to tell me that they beat Villa uh, while United couldn't. Welcome to the show, uh, Deloitte Southeast Asia Sports Business Group leader, James Walton. James, a fantastic weekend for Spurs fans like you. Uh, how did you enjoy the, the weekend of football? We're just happy any kind of win at the moment, the way <laughs> the way we've been playing. But a, a weekend where we win and Arsenal don't and, and United don't and Liverpool don't. The it's list goes a, on, really. It's not a bad weekend. Only Chelsea, unfortunately. And somehow we've had an awful start and yet we're four points off the top. Yeah, which I still sure. can't figure out. 
Well, let's... game week seven only. Plenty yeah, yeah, of football exactly. left to play. Hey, we were top after game week three, so we, we peaked already. Fair, fair. <laughs> well, let's get the show running. Philosophy, identity, tactics. Uh, three words you don't normally associate with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, or perhaps that's what people say. That's what United fans are saying. What do they even mean? This is the talk of the town. There is no passion. There is no vision. There is no aggression. Nothing is there. What the hell is there in this football club? Tell me now. All right, gentlemen, this is the talk of the town where you zoom in on a topic for the week. Deepen set the scene by telling us what the topic is. Just before we get stuck in, I'm going to get the trivia out of the way. And since we have yet another Spurs fan on board, I thought I'll make this Spurs-centric. But Deepen, I'll ask you first. You have first dibs as always. Harry Kane hasn't scored in any of his last six Premier League appearances. His longest scholar streak in the competition since... Wow. I know you love a good stat, Christian, <laughs> so I thought, why not? He's uh, So when was the last time he had such a, a bad start? A bad start. Wow, I would say... I don't think it's recent. Okay. I think it's about... 2006. 2006, bro. Is it? Is it Kane wasn't playing in 2006, really? bro. I was sec four in 2006. Wasn't he playing in uh, with Norwich at the time on loan? It had been about... 13 years old. Oh, God. <laughs> Clearly, my math is uh, down the drain. Okay. Uh, okay, 2016. How about that? 2016-17? Uh, 2016-17, yeah. You want to have a go, James? I thought he hadn't gone six games for some reason, but I would say even earlier, yeah, I would say maybe when he was at Leicester, or, Leicester or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just before he was born. Um, I'd, I'd have said when he was at Leicester, maybe Taking something like 24. What was that, 2014? 2014, 2015? 2014, 2015. Wait, sorry, I just want to ask, was it with Spurs? No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving the answer away. But okay, you want to lock the answers or you want to let it fester and we'll come back to it at the end of the show? No, I'll lock it, it in. It, it ain't going to get any better. Yeah. Okay, both of you lock it in. <laughs> both of you are wrong, but both of you are incredibly close. Because okay. you said 16, 17, you said 14, 15. It was 15, it's 16. It's 15, 16. Okay. And he was playing for Spurs at that point. Not 2006, okay. huh? No, no, definitely not 2006. <laughs> All right, yeah. then, that's out of the way. Let's get stuck into talk of the town. Deepen. Why have you chosen these big fancy words? Philosophy, identity, tactics no, for si today's topic. I mean, simply, I was watching the, the Liverpool and uh, Manchester City game. And after that game, I, I said this to one of my friends, which was, wow, I wish we had Klopp or Pep as United's manager. Simply because you saw the attacking intent from both teams. You saw the identity. You saw what they were trying to do. Uh, Liverpool, especially in the second half, not so much. The first half. But to me, I feel this is the kind of football that you want to be a part of. You want to be a fan of. Which is a bit different from what Ole has been serving out as United manager, I would say, in the past few games. But I wouldn't agree with most United fans in saying that Ole has no identity. That part of it, I disagree. But I think it's important to discuss whether this whole football identity, philosophy, is it an overrated thing? Should we even be talking about it? So, James, I want to come to you first. Why is football identity so important? Do you care about how your team plays if they're going to be winning each week? Okay, I'm a Spurs fan, so let's, let's start by... <laughs> if we're going to be winning... You know, as a Spurs fan, we often say that, it, that it's, about, it's about the football. It's about the style of play and, and all those famous quotes about not boring the opposition to death and all that. But I think that's partly because as a Spurs fan, if you haven't got decent football to watch, what are you watching for? Because you're not winning any trophies, mm -hmm. right? So, so you have to kind of hang your hat 
on that. And and it's been funny over the years that when George Graham came in as manager and then again when when Jose Mourinho came in, a lot of Spurs fans, oh, this isn't a Spurs mm. way. But there were other Spurs fans that were that literally said, hey, you know what? If we win a trophy, we'll we'll put up with it and we'll live with it. Because George Graham and Mourinho had a track record of winning. Of course, they yeah. were willing to do yeah. that. But now you've got Nuno come in. And Nuno, in terms of style to Mourinho, is not that different. But because he doesn't have a track record of winning, no one's willing to give him that that benefit of the, of the doubt. So, I mean, th- there's clubs that have identities. So, so traditionally, Spurs were one of those teams that had an identity of playing really good football. Mm-hmm. But arguably, in the 90s and the 2000s, Arsenal were playing much much better football yep. than 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 Spurs ever were and that was that was a hard thing to kind of to kind of swallow in a way but i mean your thing on ole i i mean i see the way man united play last season it was very much particularly away from home sit back soak up rapid counter attack yes. but i i don't particularly feel a football philosophy yeah. out of him myself yeah, yeah. what i feel from him is that his philosophy is really about man management yes more than it is about tactics yeah. yep. so it's more about get the players in the right frame of mind get them to really feel confident yeah. go out on the pitch and then he relies on the fact that the talent he's got yeah. is good enough that they will get a result because you know 1 to 11 they're, they're capable on their day. Mm. And his whole thing is, can he just get them up on the day? But the problem with that is when they don't have their day, there's no kind of system or structure to fall back on. And when you have those days like they did against Villa and, and like they did against Southampton, where the chances aren't going in, yeah. then the question becomes, well, what's your plan B? Yeah. And, 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 and what's your direction? And that's where the fans start to get a little bit worried. They like to see a manager who has a plan A and a plan B. Mm-hmm. And we've heard a lot of it from Arsenal recently, right? There was there was a time last season where Spurs were top of the league. Mm. Was it? Season. Yeah, yeah, last season even. Even though it's in November last season. Oh, wow. yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And Arsenal were not doing so yeah, well. Yeah. And people were saying, well, at least for Arsenal, Arteta has a philosophy. Yep. Mourinho doesn't. Mm, mm. And we can see where Arsenal are going. Well, a year later, Mourinho's gone. Yeah. Arteta's not doing any yeah. better, whatever his philosophy is. So I, I do think sometimes it's overrated. Yeah. But I think as fans, you you want that. You want some identity. You want something to hang on to. Hundred percent. Right? And what you said about Oligana Solsha, I agree because it's soaked and then hit on the counter, right? Yeah. And this is going to be controversial, but I think that was Sir Alex's philosophy as well. I don't think Sir Alex had a had a philosophy like Pep or philosophy like Klopp. We talk about man management. It's just Sir Alex Ferguson was so bloody good at it that more often than not, United didn't have an off day then. Mm-hmm. Right now under Ole, yes, he is Sir Alex's pupil, therefore he's trying to recreate that. But unfortunately, he is going to have off days. One thing though, in terms of plan A and plan B, Ole can't complain that he doesn't have the tools because he has a plan A, which is his best 11, mm. and then he has a decent enough bench, stronger than ever before. Yeah. And this is why I feel if United were winning, nobody would be talking about philosophy. I mean, whatever, how we stumbled, United stumbled against Everton would not be under the microscope, regardless of Liverpool and City putting out that thriller, as long as United won. United were top last year for a while. Mm. Nobody cared about philosophy. Yeah. We were winning, luckily. I remember a Rashford goal in the 93rd minute or something against Wolves. Pogba scored a worldly against Fulham. That's not philosophy. That's mm-hmm. just man management. <laughs> and I feel this whole man management thing is is amplified by Twitter, by social media, whereby everybody seems to latch on to this idea of it. I don't think it's the most important thing. Having said that, 
there is a system, if there is a philosophy and system to fall back on, then to Jim's point, at least your plan B is your system. Your plan A is man management. Your plan B, then you show your tactical nose almost. I don't think Ole shows that. And that's yeah. the biggest problem. So so I don't disagree entirely, but I do feel there have been games uh, under Ole's management where he has shown, or rather his coaching staff together as a whole have shown that they have the tactical knowledge. So I'm talking in particular about the win over Manchester City at Old Trafford, that 2-0 win, uh, where he played a back five almost and then hit them on the counter. Uh, with the five three two system that has worked. But that's not a philosophy though. That's just that's tactics. tactics. But that's tactics. Yeah. yeah so what I'm talking mm. about is that he has shown he has a tactical now. Because you're saying you don't think he has it, mm. but I think it's very selective when you select certain games and say, look. Okay, uh, I see what you mean about yeah, sample look, size. Uh, there, there's yeah. certain games that uh he hasn't shown it, and you know he doesn't didn't have a plan B, and I and I agree with that. But I think entirely. Uh, what I would say is I, I liked Jim's point, which is the fact that his philosophy seems to be man management. And, you know, wanting the players to be in their best moods. Uh, vibes best FC, basically. Yeah, Vibes FC, yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. So uh, that is an area of improvement that is really sorely, sorely needed at United at the moment. But I want to touch on one point. You talked about uh, Jose Mourinho, for example. Did you enjoy watching Spurs under Mourinho? I, I, I think it was almost... Um, I don't think you. I don't think you wanted to enjoy it. Mm. I think it's one of those things where you go into it kind of dreading, but then when you you know you put six past Man United, then then, <laughs> then you spin that in. Then you kind of then you kind of go, hey, you know what? This isn't so bad, right? Yeah. But you always it, it's like it's like being in a relationship with someone, and and you can see that <laughs> long term this isn't going to work. Mm. But you know what? Yeah, she's, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Oh, that was that was okay, nice. Bye. I'll give yeah. it a bit longer. It's, you just know it. You know that it's not what's the right thing for you, but it, but it is where it is. But I mean, just on this Ole thing, I mean, you, you said right this season he's got the best squad he's ever had. I think this could actually be the downfall. Yes, because as a man manager, it's very easy to man manage a squad of fourteen players, yeah. fifteen players. Mm. You just put the best players on the pitch, and so be it. But when you have to man manage a squad of eighteen, nineteen, twenty players, and when you've suddenly got two players for each position, and now you've got to decide. I mean, you look at what's happening with Van der Beek. Mm. You look at the players he left on the bench. Jaden Sancho can't get anywhere near this team. Marshall hasn't been anywhere near this team. Now, to his credit, he came in and, and did something. And now suddenly you've got Ronaldo, who, let's face it, I mean, with all due respect, he's bigger than the club. Of course, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at his Twitter, you look yeah. at his social media, yeah. Ronaldo is bigger than the club. Yeah. So anytime he gets left on the bench, it's not rotation. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And it's exactly, a disaster, right? Against, against Everton, United played so well in that first half, yeah. I felt he didn't need to bring on or make the changes that he did at that point. Because we were heading into an international break, it almost felt like he did it because it was Old Trafford, because the, the fans, fans were there. Yeah. And, and you know, when he warms up, there's this loud cheer. And mm. you know what I mean? That's mm. like it, it, to your point, he's bigger than the club. I mean, look at Manchester United social media. Ronaldo plastered left, right, <laughs> centre, clearly. And they're milking it. And that's why I feel... To your point, Ronaldo's arrival or the squad that he has might be his downfall because he doesn't have anywhere to hide anymore. Mm -hmm. It's almost like then becomes the problem of what are you going to do with these crayons that you have? And that's where I think he's going to struggle. Yeah, so I think fundamentally, I think the disagreement that I might have is that I don't think this is the best squad possible because I think it's unbalanced in a lot of ways. Uh, I think especially in midfield, we, we talk about Everton in particular. That central midfield Everton had in terms of Allen uh, and Ducore. I would love that at United. And then we have Fred and McTominay who hide from the ball when the centre-backs have the ball. So to me, I feel 
that could also be a, a, a downfall for, for Ole. But I want to just move away from United for a bit and, and talk to you about Spurs again, which is uh, the, the possibility of did you enjoy football under Harry Redknapp? Because when I look at Spurs, mm-hmm. some of the best years I enjoyed watching Spurs was under Redknapp. And I'm talking about the likes of Aaron Lennon, Gareth Bale, Luka Modric, uh, Van der Vaart, I think was there as well. So would you say then that in that case, philosophy is important, identity is important because I don't think Spurs went anywhere massive under under Redknapp. Red that was the first time we got in the Champions League. Yeah, right. but, but in terms of trophies, that wasn't, yeah. there wasn't anything to show for. But... Yeah. You enjoyed it, right? As a Spurs fan, no, I think. I, I think again, the, the Spurs way. I mean, I've been following Spurs since the early early eighties. So showing my age a bit here, but the Spurs way is always that they spend money on a couple of, you know, big name, mm. you know, mm. flair players. Yeah. You know, you have your Ginola, you have your Waddles, your Gascoins, your Hoddles, and then you completely fail to address <laughs> your your defense. I mean, you go back to Ozzy Ardiles and yeah. the famous five, right? You yeah. you come out of a World Cup year with Klinsmann, Sheringham, Bambi, Anderton, Dumitrescu up front. And then you have no holding mid yeah. and you've got Kevin Scott playing centre-back alongside Colin Calderwood yeah. and yeah. just Dean Austin and Justin Edinburgh as fullbacks. Disaster waiting to happen, right? And and that's always been the way. And and Redknapp, um, you know, yeah, he he had Van der Vaart and you, and you had... And that was a period, even just before Redknapp and then during the Redknapp time, we would go into games. I mean, we sit here right now and we say, who's Harry Kane's backup? And every season, why can't we sign a backup for Harry Kane? Mm-hmm. And then you hear the club come out and say, very difficult to attract anyone because they know that they will be backup to Harry Kane, yeah. which is, I mean, that's nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. In those days, we had Berbatov up front with Keane with Canute and Jermaine Defoe on the bench. Yeah. Yes. And then for a while, after Berbatov left, it was Bent yeah. on the bench yeah. alongside yeah. those guys. Yeah. And you kind of sit there and say, that's four top quality strikers the yeah. problem wasn't the strikers the problem was was the defense yeah. Yeah. wasn't Pavlyuchenko right? there as well during that then Pavlyuchenko came yeah. after that at one point so that that year we we got into the Champions League that yeah. was that was the Crouch Pavlyuchenko yeah. Bent yeah. Keane Defoe yeah. over the course of the year because Keane left during the year yeah. Yeah. They, they were all in that squad I mean that was we enjoyed the football because Spurs fans will tell you they would rather win 4-3 than win than win 1-0 yep that's just, yeah. that's, and I think a lot of fans are, are like that. And if you tell us that we will score a hundred goals this season and finish sixth, or score fifty goals and and finish fifth or fourth, a lot of Spurs fans would oh, will take the former. Mm, mm. And and I think you, and I think the difference between us maybe and Man United fans. Sorry to bring it back to Man United, but here you go. Is I think for a lot of the the teams like Man United and even Arsenal, there's become a little bit of a sense of entitlement now. Yes, around yes. we expect to win a trophy, and and I can tell you, I'm younger than all you guys in in the in the eighties and in the early nineties until the Sky Four and all that. You know, te- trophies were shared out, yeah. and and you would go into a season, and anyone could win, mm. and you and and there was no guarantees of winning a trophy. It's only in the last couple of years that you've got to a thing of we expect to win a trophy. Mm. But how many trophies are there? Because yeah. Man City will win the Carabao Cup every year, so you can write <laughs> that, that one off. Right? Really, that's that's and, how United got out of it. Early. And, and by the way, that one doesn't matter, right? <laughs> if you don't win it, it doesn't matter, right? You've only got the FA Cup, yeah. the league. Which and asked, a European yeah, trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, it's not Champions League, do people care about it? And then you've got Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Spurs, Man City, who all feel that they're entitled yeah. and that they should win a trophy. Mm. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think for Man United fans now, after all the years they had, there's this feeling that if we don't win a trophy, it's a bad season. And Spurs fans are... St- 
are still not there. They want to win a trophy. Of course they do. But to them, a good season is is entertaining football in top four. Yeah. We would take that. Yeah. So, and, and look, when we talk about philosophy, one name that comes to my mind is Marcelo Bielsa. Mm. He's got fio- uh, philosophy. He's got the tactics. But he's hardly won anything at, at the top level in a sense. So, in But expectations are different because of the jobs he's taken on. Yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, you can have philosophy all you want, but doesn't it seem like winning is the most important factor here and it does not matter how you win games, but the fact that you do win games? I think getting Leeds back into the Premier League mm-hmm. is... I mean, I, do, I can't recall. Did they win the championship? Yeah, I, but, I'm not, but I'm not they limiting can, yeah. the conversation yeah, yeah, just yeah. to him being in charge of Leeds, but yeah. he's been at Marseille, he's been at mm. Sevilla, yeah. uh, and it doesn't always seem like he's some, someone who's going to aim for the titles, okay, but, but yeah. he wants his teams to play attractive yeah. football, you yeah. know, high press and, yeah. and passing football, but he doesn't seem to care about winning trophies. So, yeah. I would say, if Ma- Ma- uh, Marcelo Bielsa were to be in charge of Manchester United, would a fan be uh, okay to say that, okay, it's fine that we don't win trophies, but we want to see the Marcelo Bielsa. I think, I think if you give him the crop of players, compared with all due respect to Leeds United, if you give him the crop of players that Manchester United have, they'd be performing much better. But, but do you think they would fit his philosophy? Because the thing with him, mm. his philosophy is the players have to be willing to run yes. mm. yeah. and put in the effort and put in the work. Mm. Mm. And sometimes that kind of philosophy works yeah. with younger players and 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 you know the kind of players Leeds have got who are they want that chance then my question is going to be is Ole still in a job because he doesn't go to the board and say this player or nothing this player I'm out he's like oh Woodward signing Ronaldo okay I mean Ronaldo's uh, normally right but he doesn't go in and say I need a fucking central Mm -hmm. midfielder Mm -hmm. get me a fucking central midfielder he doesn't like Mourinho did that a couple of times and okay he got really ugly when Mourinho centre backs mostly yes centre backs but you know I mean that's why you need that gumption to go in and tell them this is my philosophy this is what I need I, I feel like yeah. you, you've, you've heard Jürgen Klopp complain about it and mm-hmm. Jürgen Klopp I hate to admit this but he's the perfect marriage of tactical nows and man management I want a Jürgen Klopp mm-hmm. hug sometimes man I'll be honest everybody <laughs> would, wants would you, it. would you want a deepen hug? <laughs> why keep, not? but he keeps a lean squad again you come at a man management mm-hmm. thing yeah. that Liverpool team they pretty much rotate 15, 16 players mm. and so you you see people like Origi and Shakiri now who's gone and Oxlade-Chamberlain they they barely ever get a, a look in. Yep, yep. You can almost predict his starting eleven yeah, exactly. every single yeah, week, yeah. and then his first man off the bench would be Jota. Yes. If Firmino is yeah. is playing, and then you know in terms of how Keiter and 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 Henderson and Henderson's usually injured, so that's not yeah. an issue. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can pretty much pick his eleven every single week. Yeah. He doesn't go into the into the pacifying the course, yeah, the, yeah, the star yeah, player yeah, yeah. kind of thing. We talk a lot about philosophy. Just another p word: personality. I think mm. I feel Klopp and Guardiola have the personality to to be bigger than their squad. I don't mm. think Ole has the personality mm. to do that. Mm. I mean, yeah. okay, Ole has Ronaldo shadow over him, but for example, Guardiola has dropped Man City's number seven, Raheem Sterling, in the past couple of weeks. Mm. There's no headlines about it mm. because Guardiola is in charge and Guardiola knows what he's doing. Where else Ole did the same thing and had to bring him on in the 65th minute. But but also because the players that Guardiola can bring in are equal to mm. or, or better than Sterling, mm, yeah, right? Because yeah. in his case, if he drops Sterling, it's to play Gundogan. Be- okay, who's going to complain about that? Whereas Man United, you drop Ronaldo, you play Marshall, yeah. people say... Or Cavani. Hey, 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 hey. But you see, you play, yeah. to, you play to a system. Guardiola mm. has a system and then he fits it around. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Ole doesn't just, have that just system, Just on that point about, about a system, I yeah. think it's a good point because I will admit this one thing, which is the fact that I talk about United's midfield being a problem. Uh, and one of my friends told me, uh, why doesn't Ole play Bruno, Pogba and Van der Beek together, for mm. example? Mm. And I was saying, are you crazy? This is not FIFA. And then I was doing some kind of reflection after the Liverpool-Man uh, City game. And you realise that Pep, he plays 
Bernardo Silva, who's, saw, I, I, who's naturally attacking yes, player. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, who's naturally attacking player. But he has Rodri sitting in there. So that's two attacking players and one holding midfielder. Which could be the same thing that you could apply at Manchester United. But, but who is your Man- Rodri equivalent? Exactly. So, mm. yeah, I can say that there's no Rodri equivalent. But it seems like City can do that because Pep has a system. You can plonk in Gundogan in. You can plonk in uh, another uh, attacking midfielder. It will still work because they know their rules. Whereas at United... Bruno might not know what he's supposed to do. Pogba might not know what he's supposed to do. And work rate is an important thing. Bernardo and De Bruyne, they could lose the ball in, in midfield, but they will chase back. Can you expect Pogba to do the same? But it's also Man City's tactics because what they do different to any other team is that their fullbacks don't bomb on. Mm, their yes. fullbacks tuck in the tuck central mid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you say Rodri is the only one in there, yeah. but when Rodri turns around, the person that's usually next to him is Cancelo. Yeah, mm. yeah, yes. yeah. And sometimes Carl Walker. Yeah. So they can, because they don't bomb on down the wings, they leave that to the wingers. Mm. Effectively, they leave that space. If they do get broken on, they bunch up. Mm. the middle of the pitch mm. and the irony is is when Liverpool broke on them yeah. they actually broke down the wings yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Canseo got caught out yeah, on, the, on yeah. the wings right but again that, that's a tactic that we've never seen mm. in the Premier League really, before yeah, in yeah. terms of fullbacks tucking into yeah, holding yeah. holding right? midfield yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and you know what's interesting United actually did that mm. against Villarreal so I was watching the game and I was noticing Dalo t- tucking into uh, to midfield so I thought it was just me or maybe Dalo wasn't uh, following instructions well but after the game Dalo actually said that it was Ole's instructions to tuck into midfield uh, and so that they will be able to have numbers in midfield when they break but it wasn't executed well and Villarreal were able to surpass United's midfield very easily so sometimes it's not just about the idea but as a coach, are you able to put that idea across to your team and execute it well enough? Uh, we haven't seen that from Ole, mm. unfortunately. But, but because... the key to Man City making it work also is that they pin teams back. Mm. Yes. So the teams don't leave yes. forwards and mm. wingers up there. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that and you tuck in and they leave a winger out there, yeah, then you've got a yeah. problem. Yeah. And what Spurs did against them well that first game of the season was that they they soaked and then they broke. Yeah. Yeah. And they broke with Lucas and Bergwijn and Son with yeah. such pace yeah. Yeah. that that Manchester City couldn't get back. And they isolated... Uh, the centre-backs. Yes. If you remember the second goal, when Son broke, he broke down what was the right wing, the Man City left side, but he ended up against Nathan Eke, yeah, mm. yeah. which is like, hey, you know <laughs> you know where this is going to end yeah, up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the fullbacks were tucked in mm, and, mm. and he went around them. So if you're brave and adventurous against Man City and you're willing to leave your wingers up and not necessarily leave your centre-forward up or, or pull your forwards wide, because then you give Diaz and, and Laporte or whoever a choice. Do you leave them wide and and stay in the middle, at which mm. point the outlet mm. is down the wings? Mm. Or do you pull a little bit wide and leave a hole in in the middle? Mm. But mm. you make them make that choice. Their other option is that they don't tuck in and they leave the fullbacks out mm. wide. Mm. And then they get a little bit too flat. But it, And that's why I think sometimes the teams that do well against City, and I think we even saw this with Liverpool, is when you're brave. Yep. The irony is when mm. you're brave against City, mm. Southampton... Yeah actually did a really yes, good job yeah, against yes, them. Yeah. And it wasn't park the bus. Yeah. They legitimately came out and, and caused problems. And you talked about when Man United beat Man City. Mm. Invariably, the teams that beat Man City are the ones like Leicester, a few seasons back, that just go out there and say, yeah. we don't care who you are. Yeah, yeah. We're going to play our football. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the opposite of that is you get what Spurs did against them in the Carabao Cup final, mm -hmm. which was we're so bloody petrified of you, we're just gonna sit back. we're gonna yeah. sit back yeah. and pray yeah. 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 that something yeah. Yeah. that something happens. Would Mourinho right? have done any different in the Carabao Cup final? I don't think he would have done, mm. honestly. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you heard he claims that he won half a half trophy. trophy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean he'll take <laughs> he whatever he can get, right? Yeah. I, I mean the reality was the team was so badly out of form yeah. Yeah. at that point in time that mm. it didn't matter what you mm. did. Mm. <sighs> Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just want to uh, progress the the conversation uh, to one last question about philosophy, which is, let's just say right now I give you uh, the ability to appoint a manager at Spurs. What would you say would be the philosophy that you would want this manager to bring in, and who would it be? I think all Spurs fans want Pochettino back. <laughs> <laughs> which the way Harry hey, Sanjaman nice lose well. a couple yeah. more games. Someone we... wants to use uh once uh advice to me, never go back to your ex. Oh never yeah. go back to your ex. No, no, there, there's an there's an element of truth in that. Gareth Bale found that out last season. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ronaldo might find that out. I, I found that out in two thousand and two, but that's a story for Pogba, another day. Pogba's <laughs> found it out a few times. No, I mean, um I, I think what Spurs fans want right now is is, is just attacking. They they want to see a team with attacking intent. They're looking at, at at a team that has, you know, Kane, Son, Bergwijn, Lucas, Ondombele, and and Lo Celso and Deli Ali, yeah. and they're saying, how is it possible that this team is like in the bottom three in the league in terms of chances created and xG and all that kind of stuff? And 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 the answer is because they just don't play football and, and if you watch them you can see they don't move around properly but what's also I think a telling thing is in terms of pressing stats and distance covered is also not very good mm. and I think as fans you accept sometimes that the team doesn't necessarily quite click and things like that but what you're not willing to accept is people not leaving it all out there on the pitch and doing it. And in the Pochettino days, you had a team that was number one in the league in yeah. pressing yeah. Fitness. and scoring 100 goals yeah. a season yeah. Yeah. at it. Yeah. Um, and and I, think, I think as Spurs fans, we, what we want right now is we want a manager that's going to say, yes, you know, tighten up the back a little bit, but that we're going to go out and score two goals a game yeah. at, at least. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that we're going to have fun and put a smile on your face. Yeah. Yeah, doing it and, and we'd settle for that but honestly if Nuno goes I, I don't even know what the options are right now because yeah, they went yeah. through their bloody shopping list mm. before and didn't find anyone are they really willing to go out and say to Conte yeah you can have whatever you want <laughs> which is what Conte wants doesn't sound like a levy thing to do to be fair I, I yeah. heard from some people in the club that you know they do have one eye on the fact that Nuno may last until Pochettino is available mm. and that mm. that really may be you know, whatever the situation is, if Pochettino becomes available tomorrow, then then sorry. Um, if you were Pochettino and you do become available, would you go back to Spurs or go to United? I mean, put your Spurs fan cap off. I, I honestly think he would go to Spurs. I think he would because he's now, he's had his chance to go mm. to PSG. He's mm. won a couple of trophies. Mm. He's done his thing. If he goes back to Spurs, he knows... He'll be revered. As much as you say never go back... He didn't win anything there the first time. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he won a lot of stuff and then you go back and, oh, you didn't win. You right? can't match it again. It, yeah. It's a little bit unfinished business. Okay, okay. And I think he feels he has a he has a point to prove. Yep. Um, I think he would take Spurs because I think there's a real danger if he goes to Man United that six months down the line, he could be out of a job. Mm -hmm. Whereas at Spurs, he knows this time He'll be given he'll time get three and years, money. Yeah, four years, yeah, no yeah. matter what, he'll mm, get yeah, the time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, brilliant conversation we had, but let's now uh, look back on matches in the Premier League, starting with our live now featured game of the week, which was Chelsea against Southampton. 
we expected the result, Roshan, but the result wasn't quite reflective of the actual performance, was it? I mean, to start with, I was expecting goals from Lukaku, but that's a <laughs> different story for a different part of this show. Yeah, I mean, I think I understand what you mean by expecting the result, but not the performance. But sometimes you just got to do it. I mean, when United were sneaking results, maybe undeserved results, we said it's, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, it's that hasn't turned out that well, mm-hmm. but uh, the mark of champions, right? Yeah, so yeah. playing on your bad day, I mean, the red card changed the game. I know you were particularly frustrated about the red card. Yeah. Why don't you talk me through that? Yeah, so... This has been a problem for a long time, which is when referees go to the monitor, you cannot slow it down and show it to them. Because in slow-mo, things look really different. You know, in here's James Watt-Prowse trying to close down the Chelsea defender. And he's going in, I think it was Jorginho. Jorginho, Jorginho yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's closing him down. He's clearly going for the ball. And of course, he missed it and, and he, he left a mark on Jorginho. But in slow-mo, it looks so bad. When I looked at the slow-mo, I'm like... Yeah, he looks bad. But in, in real time, it's n- it's not even half as bad. So to me, my issue is, why do they insist on watching slow-mo replays? And this was the case for, for one Bisaka as well, mm, because mm. In, in slow-mo, it looked like an awful challenge. So my question is to you, James, is why do they do that? <laughs> I mean, they didn't do it for Kevin De Bruyne, by the way, in the yeah, Champions League against yeah. PSG. I don't know what... Hey, don't be the Man United fans <laughs> comparing one Bissaka to De Bruyne. <laughs> don't get me into whether he got the ball first. No, I mean, I I, I, uh, I said at the time with that that uh, James Ward-Prowse challenge, the first thing is, as he slides in, his his boot is up, his studs are up. But when you actually see it, his 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 bottom of his, his heel, basically, is already back on the ground. Yep. when he makes contact. So he came in foot high, but then he started to to pull out. And I, I watched it a couple of times and I was trying to work out how much contact he made on or not. It did look like maybe the top of his boot mm-hmm. just caught the Achilles yeah. of Jorginho. Jorginho went down like he'd been shot in a spaghetti western, right? I mean, that is what it is. But I, I said at the time, that felt to me like the kind of challenge that if, that where the what the referee gives, VAR will not overrule. It felt to me okay, like the yeah. kind, you know, we often say yeah. if the ref gives it, VAR won't say no. Yeah, yeah. But if the ref doesn't give it, VAR won't tell him to give it. Yeah, right. Yeah. One of those, like you get with handballs yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It felt like one of those. Mm. And I was actually quite surprised that they did refer it to him. And, and I, I, I think it was harsh. Yeah. I sure. think it was a, if, I think it was a yellow card myself. But I mean, it was a turning point. It, yeah, I mean, 100%. no doubt about it. Southampton were looking very good. At that point, Southampton were the better team at that They had just equalised, no? Yeah. At yeah. A five, ten yeah, minutes. I mean, yeah. I mean it's game. funny. The first half, um, when when it was 1-0 and everything, and, and I was joking with, we have a CNA, <laughs> CNA football chat, and I was talking to the CNA guys, and I was saying, this game's got 3-0 written all over it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a question of getting to three. But Southampton came out in the second half and different game. Mm. And I think Livermento looks like a fantastic... I mean, this where's this guy come from? Chelsea Academy. But he was on no one's radar. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and what a what a, what a pickup yeah. that is. He was on now. the final whistle radar though. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that was... I mean, and they, they looked in it. The chances were coming their way. Then the sending off happened. But what I like about Chelsea... Oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Say it again, please. One more time. <laughs> What I like about the rent boys. I'm not saying rent boys. On here. You were swearing just now. I can say rent boys, right? Okay. So what I like about the rent boys uh, in that game is even when they were three-one up, points are in the bag. 
because I don't know if it's because they were playing 10 men or what, they were hunting goals. Yeah. They were mm. still mm. pushing and pushing. And mm. the way they celebrated the third goal, they could have got a fourth, they could have got a fifth. Yeah, yeah. Um, that shows the mark of a team that they're not thinking we've got the three points. They're thinking goal difference. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And that is a scary yeah. thing for yeah. a team at this point in the season. And I just want to add on, because Chelsea had a rough couple of games prior to that, and they, I think Tuchel came out and said, look, my attackers need to shoot more, need to do more in the attacking mm. third. I think that's partially why they were celebrating so much because they clearly worked on it in training and whatever Tuchel said you better go get the job done they got the job yeah. done just like their manager said and I mean when you bring on Ross Barkley and he yeah. and he makes a goal like yeah. that then yeah. you really know that your yeah. your managing level has gone up yeah. one level I Ross even Barkley Ross Barkley was at Chelsea you know yeah. and yeah. Loftus-Cheek started the game and yeah. played well as well yeah. so it shows that when you have a system no matter who comes in, it's going to work you say one way or another. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, Hudson-Odoi. Yeah, Hudson-Odoi. Well. I mean, yes. Chalaba, Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi, you would not have picked those guys to start. Yeah. You would not have picked Ross Barkley to come off the bench. Yeah. They're out there They're out there doing, doing the it, job. Right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to other games. Of course, uh, United drew 1-1 to Everton. Uh, Wolves won Newcastle 2-1. Uh, Burnley played out a nil-nil draw against Norwich City. Can we talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> that that no may thing. have been the most predictable result of the season so far. Leeds United finally got a victory, uh, one nil against Watford, uh, where of course Watford have sacked their manager. Dilly ding, dilly uh, dong. Claudio Ranieri. But uh, that was a, that was another one where a VAR decision that Watford should have had a, a clear equaliser mm-hmm. there. Their player was fouled, mm. and yet somehow the decision goes against them. And and you can argue whether or not that's cost a manager is. His, his job. job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the reality was if you're managing at Watford, I think once you hit 10 months, you may as well start yeah, packing yeah, yeah, packing yeah, your yeah, bags, your yeah. times. I don't know if you read the... the it's pre- a bit like an SPL contract almost <laughs> over there. I, I was reading the pre-season previews in, in The Guardian and they ask all the fans of all the teams, where will your team finish? Yeah. Who will be the top three? Who will be the first manager sacked? And I think 18 out of the 20 yeah. fans yeah. said Munoz yeah, <laughs> Watford yeah. and it was like... Everybody knows Watford, right? This yeah, is how it yeah. how it's gonna be. But I mean that was a that's a decision that really has cost a manager a job. Yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. for sure. But I almost feel Ranieri just to touch on it, I feel Ranieri already knew he was taking over. They were just waiting for the international break to come, I feel. Because what I read on The Athletic is this guy, Munoz, is still working on his licenses, so they gave him a bit of time. And then I understand what you mean about the VAR decision costing the job, but I almost feel the way Watford worked, they already had someone lined yeah, up. Yeah. And, and, then, and the way, the way I mean, one of the comments I, I heard was, you know, the way they were playing, if it hadn't been this week, yeah. and, and as you say, international breaks yeah, are always yeah. good timing, especially mm-hmm. for a team like Watford, exactly. where not too many players go overseas so it gives you a a good week on the training ground but you get the feeling if it hadn't been this week inevitable it would have been a week two weeks three weeks for sure Uh, next game of course was Brighton nil-nil against Arsenal (laughs) I want to talk about this game right because uh, here I was expecting Arsenal after that uh, terrific performance against Spurs they're going to go to the Amex Stadium and, and you know really uh, give another fantastic performance, but this was far from it because have you ever seen Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> in two consecutive games before? We've got two Arsenal haters now. Right? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not an Arsenal hater. I'm saying it how it is. No, but Brighton looked fantastic <laughs> okay, in this game Arsenal. and should have got all three points, uh, but unfortunate to walk away with just a point. But to me, my question is this, and and it's a genuine question. Yes, Arsenal were impressive against Spurs, but was I wrong to think that they would go on and build from this result, or is this just a mark of uh, Mikel Arteta's management that every time you see them get a good result they don't quite build on it and it's back to square one again I know nil-nil against Brighton is not the worst of results Arsenal fans will argue that it's a good point uh, against a team that started the season well but my question is 
what is Arsenal's objectives for the season? Because you win against Finish Spurs. Above Spurs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that. But, but yeah. what, what would have been a good result against Brighton? Because I think against Brighton, if you're Arsenal, you should be getting all three points. I, and that, mm. I don't know, because that goes to what James said earlier about entitlement. I don't think Arsenal are the force. I, mean, I already can now Arsenal later. But I don't think Arsenal are the force and we need to give Brighton credit. Mm? Brighton, mm. Are, yeah, in paper, if you've watched football long enough, you're like, Brighton who? But, Brighton are Brighton and they started really well this season and I think maybe that's Arsenal's level. That's that's uh, This is not disservice to Arsenal, it's just more credit to Brighton because for them, it's a big game. For Arsenal, it's on par. Arsenal, again, we cannot be too entitled and say, yeah, Arsenal-Brighton is straightforward, Arsenal should win. Arsenal fans will expect that, but as neutral observers, I don't think Brighton are pushovers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think with, with Arsenal, I think a, a draw... Is as at Brighton is not a bad result, and and look in in previous seasons they've lost to Brighton. Yeah, yep. e- even at home mm. they've they've mm. lost to Brighton in the past, right? I, I think the other thing is when you don't play well, get a point. And I think it, it, I would be if I were an Arsenal fan, I'd be saying, yeah, we had an off day, but but we got a point. point you know, now. twenty-one mm. shots against. My thing with Brighton, this actually reminded me more of Brighton last season than than this season. This season they've been scoring goals, mm. but last season and and as Man United fans, you'll remember, right? Yeah. They they had games where they just created so, so many, many chances, yeah. Yeah. and Trossard and yeah. Mope, you know, and they just couldn't put them away. Yeah. and they would batter teams. Mm. And yet lose one nil. Yeah, yeah. And and this season so far, actually, they've been putting the chances away. Yeah, they've been scoring. Yeah, but then yeah. this was a this was a throwback to that, right? I think they had twenty one attempts, mm, yeah, and mm. I think only two were on target mm, or yeah. something, something ridiculous like that. But Graham Potter, you know, here's a manager, good attacking philosophy. They've actually got some very good players. Yeah. Mopé's a good forward. He's yeah. just a bit wasteful. Mm. Trossard mm. is what a, a is a beautiful player. player yeah, you know, yeah. they, you know, they got some good players there. I think a, any team that wins at Brighton. Would be very very happy. I think you get a draw yep. at Brighton. At Amex, yeah. If yeah. you if you play well, maybe you wouldn't be happy with a draw. Mm-hmm. But if you play badly, you would. But Arsenal's thing is, they always do this, right? They they have a couple of bad games, and just when you go, oh, Arsenal's a disaster, suddenly they pull something out, and you go, oh, look, it's okay, yeah. Yeah. and they'll do two three games. You go, oh, Arsenal's okay, and then yeah. they'll uh, and they're just so sounds a bit like being a Man United fan. But they're go so on. maddling, yeah. maddeningly yeah. inconsistent. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and and I think I was saying to someone the other day that. Arsenal's start to the season got massively overhyped for what it was. Mm. This was a team that was that had a whole bunch of players missing due to COVID. Yeah, yeah. They had Thomas Partey still missing, hadn't come yeah. back. They had newcomers coming in that that were not ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they the first three games and the first three games of the season they played two of last season's Champions League Champions finals, League finalists. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Brentford away, you never want to go away mm. to a newly promoted team on the first day of the yeah. season. Not Brentford, especially. Yeah, yeah. A, a home is one thing, but yeah, yeah. Brentford just yeah. gone and beat bloody West Ham. Right, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look such a bad result yeah. in in hindsight. So it was overstated how bad their their start to the season was mm. once they had the players back yeah. and 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 the thing for me for arsenal is they just need to find in the next 9 to 12 months mm. they need to figure out what the hell they do about obama young mm. because he ain't getting any younger <laughs> and and the team really blows hot and cold yeah. with him mm. and and it's not a solution long term yeah. they've got lacazette, lacazette yeah. contract issues they've got to still get rid of some of this deadwood i'm looking at Shaka, yeah, and, yeah. and who who has yeah. one good game and then gets injured <laughs> yeah. again. And you know we've talked about this over the years, Kolasinic and El Neni and all and all these kind of players. They're going to have problems with the African Cup of Nations yeah. this yeah. year, yeah, yeah, um, because Party Obama Young, mm. uh, El Neni, and there's someone else in their squad. So I think they've got. I think, four, mm. the, 
They play Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. Yeah, yes. they've yeah. got four yeah. players yeah. missing more yeah. than anyone else. Yeah. Mm. More yeah. than anyone else does. So that will give them some problems at that time of year as well. But they've just got to, they've got to let the youngsters play. Mm. Mm. When they, when this team looks good is when Saka and Smith Rowe are yeah. pulling the strings as they did against Spurs. And when it doesn't look good yeah. is when they force in Lacazette and they force in Pepe and yeah. they force in Shaka yeah. yeah. and then they play the old guys because they're experienced heads yeah. and I think if I'm Arteta I, I just I'd let the kids play yeah. Yeah. And, and I tell you what I think they have got a good base in terms of the defence right now because I actually think Gabriel could go on to be one of the best defenders in the Premier League because he looks steady each time he yeah. plays yeah. And, yeah. and to my surprise I found out he's only 22 Oh wow! I never yeah. knew that. Interesting. And, and, and yeah. to me, I think he's been brilliant signing for them. And Ben White, look, he he will go on to improve himself. Hasn't quite reached that mark yet in terms of saying he's a fifty million defender. But I think he will go on to prove himself. Uh, and Tierney, Tierney's a Tierney's a fantastic, fantastic player. Player. and a right back. Yeah, Tommy Asu. Yeah, Tommy Asu. And Ramsdale. Uh, I, I will hold my hand up and say I didn't understand the signing at the point of time simply because yeah. I said that. Emmy Martinez he gets relegated every season. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Emmy Martinez to me was a, a, a failure in terms of letting him go. Yeah. You should not have let, let him go. But right now, I feel that they've remedied it by signing Ramsdale who looks so confident yeah. each time he plays for Arsenal. It's not just about... I love his... seeing a goalkeeper in short sleeves as well. I don't know why. Something about it. I yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah. I, I do feel Arsenal are going the right way. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what you think, James, but I do actually think they could end up in the top four if they can get the act together soon Ooh. enough. The, the, the only... I, I, they're not good enough you do, to, you get in, to get in the top four on, on quality, on paper, on form, anything. The, the best thing that can happen to them is that the big teams get distracted mm. in Europe in the Cups. Yes. And Arsenal yeah. have a big advantage over everyone. And I go back to the season Leicester won the title. You look at the year Leicester won the title, they picked the same damn team every single week. Yes. And they needed to because they had no strength and depth. Yeah. But I don't know if you know, that season, they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup in the first round. Yeah. They got knocked out of the FA Cup in the first round. Yeah. They played 40 games that season. Oh, wow. Never 38 were in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And and so not only did they have no Europe and no Cups to distract them, it means, number one, you can pick the same 11. Yeah. It also means you play on Saturday and then you've got all the way till the next Saturday to do tactics for that game. Yeah. You're not spending Monday, Tuesday doing tactics for Wednesday yeah. yep. and then Thursday, Friday doing tactics for Saturday. Yeah, I see the point you're making and, now. Yeah. And so Arsenal have an advantage that they can literally go from a Saturday to a Saturday and it will mostly be Saturdays. They mm. won't be having, you know, Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. Know, mm. And they can just pick the same 11 mm. and do it week in and week out. And I think that really can make a difference of six, seven, eight, nine points. And I think if if Man United, Liverpool, um, Chelsea, and and City, obviously, but even potentially Spurs in that bloody awful Conference League, <laughs> and and Leicester, let's face it, Leicester haven't had a great start, yeah, and they've got yeah. Europa League distractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Arsenal don't fall too much there. of a stretch for me. Sorry, not just not just about Arsenal, but we need to consider t- teams around them as yeah. well. And there's just too much competition. I'd be highly surprised. And you mentioned well, Fcon as well. Sick. I I think. Europa League, yes, perhaps. Sixth, I yeah, could see yeah, them getting yeah. up in the sixth. Yeah, because yeah. mm. out of the teams we mentioned, the United Cities, Liverpool, Chelsea, someone's gonna fall away. One or two will fall but away from there. Don't underestimate Everton as well. Yeah, again, under Benitez. Yeah, no distractions. Yeah, yeah. Team seems nice and and coherent and settled. Yeah, yeah. Benitez got them playing. Mm. I I would at the start of the season I said maybe eight for them, but now again they're looking like they could hang in there. Yeah. Well, they still really haven't played. 
a top top team yeah. until that Man United game, yeah, and right. and then you know and was you don't it have full strength Man United. Well. Yeah, Villa hampered. Villa gave him a caning, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I I do still wonder whether Everton. I think they've had a bit of an easy start. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Of course, the last two games were Crystal Palace. 2-2 against Leicester City uh, and Liverpool as well. 2-2 uh, two, two, two draw against uh, Man City like we discussed earlier. Uh, now we have zoomed past the results. Let's take a look at who stood out from an FPL perspective on our fantasy radar. Raushan, I'll start first. Um, Thank you. To, to <laughs> me, I think the Brighton game was really uh, something that really impressed me in terms of how they got their fullbacks really high up the pitch, which is, which is uh, something that Brighton always do. But in this particular game, uh, their left wing back, Mark Chuchurella, I believe. That's how you say his name. Chuchu was, or Kuku? I think it's Chuchu. Uh, I've heard the Kuku I as just well. wanted you to say <laughs> those but, words. But basically, <laughs> we know who we're talking about. Yeah. But he was so impressive in that game against Arsenal. Uh, especially because I thought Tomiyasu had a brilliant game against Spurs. But this guy, he made Tomiyasu look like a fool in mm, this game. Mm, mm. Uh, and credit to him because I think uh, he's again one of those that we talk about, right? OOP, out of position mm, in a sense mm, because mm. he's uh, listed as a defender in the in the Fantasy Premier League. But he was almost playing like a left winger in, in, in this game. And you don't quite get those kind of options in, in the Fantasy Premier League that often. Uh, and I think he's at 5 million, I believe, if I'm not wrong, uh, which is really a good value to have. So... Uh, I've not quite looked at Brighton's fixtures going forward. Let me help you. Uh, but I do think that this player is a good one. And and I think one one uh, one thing mentioned as well that, oh, he's got Norwich mm. in the next game. So mm. I think it's a good option to have. But one thing and that... And then don't uh, forget, he's got Man City after that. Leicester City and Liverpool. So I, <laughs> you may never know. Yeah, yeah. But but I think one thing about him that uh, impresses me is this like fearlessness in him. He he. It's not that he abandons his defensive duties, but when he gets on the ball, he just wants to go forward. Uh, and especially because in the in the weird way that Brighton play, they've got Dan Burn covering at, at left centre back, uh, that that kind of a zone. So he knows he has the safety of Dan Burn behind him, almost covering the space left behind by him. So he really bombs forward. So I really do think uh, Mark Chuchurella or Cucurella uh, is someone to really have in your fantasy because I was thoroughly impressed by him last week. Uh, what about you, James? Yeah, I mean, last week was an interesting one for me because if you look at the at the the, the top scoring players, with the exception of Salah and and Son, most of them are not players that you would remotely have had on your radar. You know, mm. Tim Krul as a goalkeeper, Lorente for for Leeds, yeah, yeah. Um, um, popping up there. Of course, Townsend and and Decore, but Huang and and Jimenez. I sold Huang for, as well for Wolves. Oh, good timing! Okay. <laughs> Excellent. It, it, it's, it, <laughs> Even Aspilicueta in terms and Chalabar for Chelsea yes, are yeah. not you know when you're picking Chelsea defenders recently you tend to pick Thiago even Christensen as a, as a bargain price a lot of people went on Alonso and then suddenly Chilwell yes. comes in right so it, it was an interesting week in that regard and and for me um, a, a bit of an anomaly of a week but I think the players that that stood out and and have stood out for me so far this season is is a couple of Everton players that we've talked about the Cure yes. and and Townsend yeah, yeah. um we'll see how long that 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 lasts for of course um the other the other ones that have gone a little bit under the radar like Vardy mm-hmm. you know not a lot of people talking about Vardy but he scored six, yeah. he scored six goals I, I level with Salah. That he's only owned by 10% of FPL managers yeah. oh wow and yeah. if you and if you look at um players that have had double figure weeks yeah uh, number one is Salah. I think he's had four out of his mm. six have been yeah, double yeah. figures or whatever. The number two is Son, has had okay. three double yeah, double yeah, figure yeah. weeks as well, and and he was out injured yeah, for yeah. a couple of games as yeah. well. But again, Son's flown a little bit mm. under the under the radar in that regard. But I think there's there's 
it felt like at the start of the season, I was talking to a lot of people, everyone was saying this year the players are all so expensive. Yeah. Mm. But actually there's quite a lot of yeah. bargains yeah. to be yeah. had out yeah. there, particularly in midfield. Yep. 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 I think yep. if you get things right, Tielemans, mm. another guy who's who's putting in some some points, Damari Gray. Yeah. There yeah. are plenty of players out there yeah. that are racking up those points. Even Jota at Liverpool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because Firmino's not playing. Yeah. At, what is he? Seven. 7.6 or something yeah, same way. Yeah, yeah. If and he's going to play, as well, out of position, right? Because yeah. he's a midfielder. Yeah, 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 and if if he's going to play, as yeah. long as you know Firmino's out, and mm. bear in mind we've got international breaks coming up and all this kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. If Jota plays, mm. you know you've got to tick the box. He's got to yeah. be in the team. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think I, I the think point on expensive players is mm-hmm. if you. I feel there's too much conversation about fitting a Ronaldo, fitting a Lukaku, fitting a Mo Salah in your team. That to James' point, there's so much value elsewhere that you almost miss out on it because you're too busy stacking up all these yeah. players. And before I get to your player for uh, who stood up for Don't you... Don't bother, I suck at FPL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask this question, right? Because I've been thinking about this because I, of course, have had Mason Greenwood since game week one. Uh, <laughs> not written plenty of points since the opening three game weeks. Uh, but is it time to get him out of the team simply because I think uh, as Jaden Sancho comes into the picture, Marcus Rashford is back in full training. Um, you, you've got Ronaldo who's going to play in the front role. Cavani looks good as well. Is it time to take Greenwood out of the team? See, I'm very sceptical on, on on all those guys. I mean, you've got, don't forget, you've got Rashford coming back. Yeah. 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 Uh, probably after the international mm-hmm. break by all accounts, right? Um, Marshall that we all kind of thought and, and and I I say I mentioned earlier we have a CNA fantasy chat and Gerard Wong yeah. jokingly we thought on Saturday morning posted in the chat the deadlines tonight don't forget to put Marshall in your team <laughs> and we all kind of went yeah. ha, and then Marshall scores yeah, right yeah, I mean yeah. so Marshall you know kind something. of popped up right <laughs> and you've still got Lingard yes, hanging around yes. so my worry with this Man United team is you've got Cavani Ronaldo Greenwood Rashford Lingard. Sancho, Sancho, Marshall. Marshall. If he really is gonna keep rotating like this, then you really don't know yep. who's gonna play. Mm. And 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 to your point earlier about trying to fit a Ronaldo in the team, that's now two games Ronaldo hasn't started yep. out of four games that he's that yep. he's been there. Yep. And if you think about the forwards that everyone's trying to cram in, it's Ronaldo who's not starting, Lukaku who's not scoring, and Kane who hasn't done anything yet this season. The value is in midfield. Yeah. The yeah. value is Sadio Mane, mm. Uh, mm. Son, mm. and and uh, and Salah. Yeah. And I'm a I, I'm getting the with Man United. I've kind of got last season. I had Fernandez, mm. yeah. but my worry with him this season was that he may not take penalties. The worry for Man United fans is perhaps that he will take penalties <laughs> after seeing how he took the other day. But no, I, I don't I, know if you bought the ball that he missed because you're into collecting memorabilia, right? It hasn't so come down yet. It's still, it's, it's still somewhere in orbit over, over Trafford. Um, so, but I, I'm avoiding Man United this season. I've got the defenders. I've picked up Maguire. I think I, I'm sure I'm a, I'm a big believer in taking the fullbacks from the teams that keep clean sheets. So I yeah. try to have Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, mm. and Shaw. I don't pick Man City fullbacks. I pick Man City defend, uh, centre-backs. Like, yeah. basically Diaz. Because yeah. they nailed yeah. on. Diaz yeah. will play every yeah. single yeah. week. Yeah. I'm a bit sceptical on Laporte and Stones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had Stones a bit last season, but this year. But, I, yeah. but I, Man United, I don't pick any of the forwards mm. or attackers mm. in the same way that I don't pick Man City. Actually, I want to disagree with James. Yeah, I dropped Shaw because I just don't see Manchester United keeping clean sheets. I really don't. And... 
that's where my pick is coming in a sense where again contrary to what James said I'm going to go for Cancelo because I think Cancelo is such a good player that he does he, tend to play more than mm, most mm, of them mm, yeah. and I think he I, I don't know if you watched in the Liverpool game Liverpool City game he had this outside foot pass that he sent to Foden yeah. from the middle of the park or something that just that just convinced me that this guy is but something special did he get any points for that pass? Uh, I don't know I don't know <laughs> I mean just as well that uh, Townsend didn't get points for his celebration no but actually you know actually your Man United thing I, I've been going around telling me ah oh, yeah Man United Man United because last season they did keep a lot of clean sheets yeah. and then he's I, just distracting you, you his guys, competition you guys follow Man United better than I am but I think I read this week something like that they've only kept one clean sheet in, in 18 last, I think yeah. Yeah, yeah and I read that and I went Hey, crap, my whole philosophy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. my whole philosophy yeah, of Maguire yeah. and Shaw, maybe it was good that they were out injured. Yeah, yeah. But, but week, I will say know? this, I think that once uh, Maguire returns from his injury and once Maguire and Varane have enough games together, I do see that backline settling down because I've seen glimpses, um, especially in the game against Wolves where both of them started. They were exceptional as a pair and they're just getting started, you know. So I do think that once they, they nail down the starting eleven in terms of uh, not being injured and, and playing enough games together, I do see this being a good backline, but but to your point, I think Cancelo is a good one because of course Mandy isn't going to play this season, yeah. so you've got one less left back option. Uh, I think he only fights with Zinchenko for the left back mm. spot, mm. Uh, but Cancelo can play at left back, can play at right back. Yeah. He's yeah. even played in central midfield a few times last mm. season, so uh, a good pick to have. But uh, just before I end off this conversation, uh, I, I started the show by saying it's only game week seven, uh, <laughs> and and I and I say this because in the last two seasons of FPL, I started poorly. Uh, but I went on to do much better as the season progressed. Uh, and and I just want to get your point or your take on it. Uh, have you always started the FPL seasons well? Or is it a case of you start really poorly and then you end well? Or you start poorly and end poorly. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one of those people, you get me on talking FPL and anybody actually looks at my team goes, hey, where the hell are the people listening to you? <laughs> actually, uh, to be honest, I was I was having this discussion the other day. I'm one of those people that gives great advice but doesn't follow it himself. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I literally, I was telling people like, hey, Decore, hey, you should pick up Decore, you should pick up Gray. And then I look at my own team and I'm like, eh, you know what, I'll... I'll stick with this guy. Yeah. I won't bring him in. And then you sit there and go like, you know, mm. what the hell? So I'm still, I'm still hanging in there on Kane. And, and like this week, you know, Kane, Ings and Watkins, and I put Watkins on the bench mm. and I have Kane and Ings on the pitch. Right. So I, but I do believe, I think when you fall behind, um, my philosophy when you fall behind is there's no point coming 155th in fantasy football, right? Yeah. You either win it or you don't. Okay. fair. And, and it's yeah. very easy to get kind of, you know, you're halfway through the season and you're looking up and you're just going, what's the point, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think once you fall behind, my my philosophy is look for differential. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. and it is to try to try to pick up the players that other people are not picking up. Yeah. And that, that is the moment when we, you talked about earlier about, do you try to force in your Ronaldo and that? I, I think that's the point where I start to say, okay, who's that player yeah. that only 5% of people have, 8% mm. of people have? Mm. Who's that player that's coming back from injury? start looking at the fixtures and I actually tend to get a little bit less reputation based mm. and a little bit more tactical mm. when I fall behind mm. which maybe I should start the, the season <laughs> like that and I, I think the know. past game week has been an excellent example of value in terms of players who are lesser yeah. owned but are going to get you a point but of course you're not going to get lucky every week right? you, you probably could have if you look at the maximum points you could have scored yeah. I, I I don't know what the maths is, but I'm willing to bet you could have bought that squad for 75 or 80 yeah, million. 100% mm -hmm. agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
As always, listeners, don't worry. Next week, we don't have a Spurs fan. It's not three hey. Spurs fans in a row, but we do have a special episode for you. But if you agree or disagree with our choices, do tweet us at Whistle and tell us who stood out for you from an FPL perspective or who stood out for you among the three of us. James, it's been fabulous having you on. Deepan, not so bad. <laughs> it's been good, Deepan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, James. Of course, wonderful insights as well. Uh, I don't look forward to the international break, but we'll catch you ahead of the next game. Week I do because I support United. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon.